0: Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues.
1: Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Connecticut Secretary of the State Denise Merrill. Good morning to you. Good morning. People will be getting something in their mail over the next week or two related to the November 3rd elections after the primary last month and people getting ballot applications and then they had to put those back in the mail to to get the actual ballot to vote in the primary if they were registered with the party now we're going to try this for the general election tell us what is happening
2: uh that's exactly right aaron uh the primary was a bit of a test run for us because as you know connecticut doesn't do much with absentee ballots normally in most elections maybe four percent of people vote absentee and that's because we are now one of the most restrictive states in the country seconded only by alabama in terms of having access to absentee ballots or uh, even early but we don't even have days of early voting here as 40 other states do so we're kind of behind the times in a way and then when something like COVID happens Uh, We don't have a lot of flexibility, so we're trying to ramp this up very quickly. And as you say, in the primary, what we did for the first time is we mailed the applications to every eligible voter, which is what we're going to be doing starting next week. So if you are registered, you will be getting an application in the mail, not the ballot itself, because we have a lot of process around these absentee ballots, a lot of checks and balances, I like to say. So if you get it in the mail, you need to immediately, as soon as possible, if you want to vote absentee, Now, don't forget, you can still vote at a polling place. We have made extraordinary efforts to make sure our polling places are safe and secure. So we've provided PPE, we have the social distancing, everyone will be wearing masks and so forth. So you can feel safe, but... If you don't want to go vote at a polling place because of your fear of contracting COVID, which is very, very real for a lot of people, uh, then you, you everyone this year, only for this election, can vote absentee ballot. So that's the application you'll be getting in the mail, and there'll be a place to check. Uh, I'm not going to, I will not appear in person because of fear of COVID, and that will be a legitimate reason to get an absentee ballot.
1: Now, when that Application arrives. What should people do? They should get it in as soon as possible. I'm guessing.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. Our timeframes are very short, you know, and I'm sure people have heard about questions about the post postal service and whether they're going to have the capacity to mail things as quickly. So my advice is: as soon as you get it, if you want to vote absentee, put it, sign it, uh, fill it out very carefully and send it to your local town clerk. There will be an envelope, stamped self-addressed envelope in your packet, in your application, so you can mail it back to the town clerk in your town because that's where elections happen. They're very local. And so the town clerks will be processing those applications in the next few weeks.
1: Now, that's a little different compared to what happened in the primary, correct? You used a mailhouse to mail out at least some of the ballots.
2: Uh, yes, actually, this time the uh, clerks will be mailing out the ballots. We are still using a mailhouse to mail the applications uh, because the ballots see, for a general election, Connecticut has over 500 different ballots. And that proved to be a big challenge. Even in the, uh, in the primary election, there were 40 different ballots. And our challenge doing that centrally would be trying to make sure people get the correct ballot. So this way, uh, it, it reverts to the towns. The towns have always done uh, the mailing of the ballots. Uh, so this will just be what they always do, only just an enormous increase in volume. And that is a big concern, not only for them, but for us too.
1: All right. So a voter has received their application. They have filled it out. They have signed it. Do you recommend taking the Postal Service out of the equation from there and simply dropping that in the drop box in the town where you vote?
2: Absolutely. You can drop your application or and or your ballot in the drop boxes. They're very secure. They're pretty much in front of most town halls. Some towns have them slightly different places and some towns have more than one. But I mean, what that does is eliminate the uncertainty. Now, of course, that doesn't work for everyone. Not everyone can get out. Not everyone drives and so forth. So don't be afraid to mail, particularly the applications. There's plenty of time for that. But the thing I I like to make sure people know is the ballots are not ready until October 2nd. So let's say you get your application in the mail next week, which you may, uh, or the week following, even if you turn it right around, your ballot isn't going to get there before, let's say, like second week in October, because by law, we have to have time to print the ballots. I just told you there are 500 different ballot types. People are still petitioning onto the ballot. Sometimes your ballot will have a local question on it for your town. Um, You know, so there's a lot that goes into the preparation of the ballots, and we need that time to do that. A lot of people are saying, well, why can't we just get our ballots sooner than October? Well, that's not the way it works. (laughs) And, you know, if we ever do this again, I think there'd be a lot of changes we'd have to make in the way we do business. Uh, But for now, this is how it is.
1: So the ballot will arrive to the voter via the mail.
2: Yes, they will be mailed by the town clerks, Along again, along with a stamped self-addressed envelope to get it back to the clerks. But you don't have to use that. You can drop it in a ballot box. And that's quicker obviously
1: say we get to election day and someone hasn't received their ballot yet or f- for some other reason they they end up at the polls in person are you still able to vote in person even if you have requested an absentee ballot
2: absolutely and people ask me this all the time they're like well, what would prevent people from voting twice a whole lot of things first of all even if you actually sent your absentee ballot in and you're not sure it got there and you're a little nervous about it. So you decide, I'm just gonna go down and vote. Also, um, those that absentee ballot, if it did arrive, would still be compared against the list of people who have voted at the end of the night. And the one that if, if someone voted in person, the absentee ballot would simply be discarded. Uh, and so we're anticipating some of that might happen. It didn't happen that much in the primary, but you know, people should feel comfortable. Whatever it is, if you're not sure, if you're not absolutely sure and feel uneasy that your ballot didn't arrive, oh, and I should mention another thing, you can check on our website to see if your ballot has been logged in by the cl- town clerk. Uh, if you go to a website called myvote.ct.gov, And look up your name and address. You can see exactly when that absentee ballot was logged in. And then you'll have the confidence that your vote actually arrived.
1: As you noted, not a lot of people typically vote by absentee. Do you have a sense of how many might be choosing that route this year? Uh,
2: Well, if we use the statistics from the primary, which was just a few weeks ago, uh, almost two-thirds of the people who voted voted by absentee ballot. So that, you can see, is an enormous change from what happens normally.
1: That's also an enormous change for town and and city clerks. Do you expect they are going to need extra time to process all of these ballots? May we not know results on election night?
2: Uh, I think that was going to be inevitable across the country. Um, Not as much in Connecticut, because we are not what they call a postmark state. There's quite a few states, about a third of the states allow ballots to be counted as long as they're postmarked by election day. Well, you can see that right there, you'd have a delay because things would still be postmarked, not counted yet, and not even having arrived yet. In California, if you're postmarked by election day, you can your ballot can be received and counted up to 10 days after the election. So all of a sudden, no one No one thought too much about that until this year when there's this big surge in absentee ballot voting, voting by mail, and even states that have done it, you know, a lot. I mean, California is pretty much a vote by mail state now. But even then, if you have 10 days afterwards that your votes are still going to be coming in, you can see that's going to be a major delay. And I think we have to start preparing the public for the fact there could be major delays across the country.
1: Now, as you said, Connecticut is not a a postmark state, so that means that the ballot has to be in the hands of your local municipality by 8 p.m. on Election Day.
2: That's correct. So that will help us not have as large delays as some other places. Now, the legislation that enabled all this also gave the town officials 48 extra hours to announce results. Uh, don't forget, you have a lot of local races involved. And so my thinking is probably it won't take that long, but they do have up to 48 hours to process all this because they're not allowed to count the absentee ballots until election day. So that's going to be a big backup on election day. But um, usually they have to um, send the um, the results into our election management system, which is a sort of live uh, rendition of your, Results, So they type it in in real time. It comes up on our state website. Uh, But this year, usually it's midnight uh, election night that they have to have those results in. But now they'll have another two days to uh, get it organized. And some of them may need that two days.
1: Now, with every registered voter in Connecticut getting an application to vote by mail, what safeguards are in place to guard against fraud?
2: Uh, depends what you mean by fraud. If you're saying, you know, like somebody gets a ballot and fills it out in somebody else's name.
1: Yeah. Things like that.
2: That was that what you're thinking about? Yeah. Actually, that's almost impossible. Honestly. Uh, first of all, you'd have to get an application in somebody else's name. So that would mean you'd have to be at an address. Let's just say, you know, if this is what you're thinking about, you get an application for somebody who doesn't live there anymore or has died or whatever. And you would have to forge their name on that application and forge the information in order to, I guess, vote for someone else and be able to vote twice maybe. Um, Right off the bat, you're committing a major felony. So I think there are very few people that would wanna do that, but you never know. So let's just say they mail in this forged application. It's gonna get compared against the list. So you would be taking a chance that that same person does somehow, you know, has moved and has already voted. So now you're really gonna get caught, right? Because it's compared against the voter file to see if that person has already filed an application. Uh, And then they would have to mail you back a ballot in this other person's name. You'd then have to forge that ballot as well and then send it back. And again, it would be compared. And then if that same person showed up on election day, it would be compared against that list as well. So you're taking a real risk, I would think, if you were to consider doing something like that. Like I say, we have an enormous number of checks and balances. I mean, to some extent, that's what's kind of killing us because there are so many processes in place to make sure things like that don't happen, that it it is very time consuming.
1: You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Connecticut Secretary of the State Denise Merrill. Let's back up a bit and talk a little about the the primary in August. There were some hiccups caused in part by the postal system, in part by the weather. And also, I guess there was some confusion among town clerks in terms of what was going to be happening.
2: Yeah, that turned out to be, I think, a relatively minor problem in the end, because uh, we think almost, probably almost 100 percent of people who asked for ballots got them not necessarily in enough time to mail them, given what happened a week before the primary, because we had this major storm, which compounded problems by eliminating mail service for up to three or four days in some areas. So yes, that definitely was a factor. Um, but, But in the end, everybody got their ballot. And so there was, I think there was a little confusion at the time because some clerks were surprised that they had to send out so many that the mail house had not sent out. And again, the volume just shocked everybody. I, I think the mail house was just not able to keep up with it. So we asked the clerks to, the clerks always do the mailing at the end uh, for the last week, because obviously, you know, that's, we were figuring out oh, those, they'll dribble in that last week and there won't be that many. But as it turned out, there were many, many thousands more than, and, even we anticipated. And the turnout was fairly high for a primary. So that's why we reverted to this other system because I think it was just too cumbersome to have them transmit info, the clerks transmit the information to the mailhouse, then the mailhouse mails things out. And I think there was a lot of delay in all that processing. So I think it's going to be a lot smoother this time, uh, in spite of the fact that they are going, the towns are going to have to hire extra help to get this done. And fortunately, we have a large federal grant and the towns will be receiving money to defray all those costs um, at the expense of the, it's through the CARES Act. And so they'll have the resources to do it at least. I I still think it's a challenge, particularly in places uh, that are kind of like medium-sized towns, because the issue isn't even, oh, I can, you know, they can go out and hire 10 people to help process, but they have no space. And with COVID, you have to have the social distancing. So it all goes back to these CDC guidelines and the problems we're having trying to manage all this in a very, very difficult situation.
1: So summing up the primary, what would you say are the the lessons learned or the key takeaways and how things are are going to be different for the general?
2: I think the big takeaway was everyone wants to vote absentee ballot. I'm concerned that even more people are going to want to, especially since we're having a little mini surge at the moment, who knows where we'll be in November. And I think we have to all remember that the reason we're doing all of this is to make sure that no one has to choose between their health and their vote. That's the primary driving factor here. And I am worried that there will be so many. We were shocked, as I said, by the number, even though we were anticipating there'd be a lot, I was figuring maybe 40% of people and that the other 60% would still come to the polls. It turned out to be the opposite. And so we have to be prepared for either extreme in a way. I mean, maybe people will all decide, oh, it's perfectly fine now. They'll all show up at the polling places. That's why we can't be collapsing polling places either, because, you know, that creates a different kind of confusion. So. I think the biggest lesson I took away from the primary is be ready for anything um, and do the best you can, and that people really are in Connecticut uh, very excited about the opportunity to vote by absentee ballot.
1: Now, if you opt to vote in person on November 3rd, how are things going to look differently at the polling location on that day? Will you be voting in the same place?
2: In most cases, yes. We have been very careful about not Eliminating polling places for the reason I just discussed. You know, you've seen those states like where places like Milwaukee and uh, Atlanta and Kentucky, where they in uh, Louisville they had massive numbers of people contracted the virus while they were standing in line because they eliminated so many polling places. We will not make that mistake. So most people will be voting where you always vote. There are some exceptions where they don't have the space to do the social distancing and so forth. Uh, But you will see every poll worker will have masks. In most cases, they'll have plastic screens, you know, so that when you come up, you'll be protected and they'll be protected. Uh, You will be asked to wear a mask and uh, people will be standing six feet apart in line and in the polling place. So all those CDC guidelines will be followed by all towns.
1: So I know they're minor things, but, you know, you have to use a marker when you fill out your ballot. Are those going to be disinfected? Are they single use? And also, I know you typically get stickers at the polling location when you vote. Are those out this year?
2: We are getting stickers. I love the stickers. Uh, <laughs> I think they're being slightly redesigned to be more interesting, I guess. Um, but yes, there will be stickers if you vote at the polling place, as always. The single use pens is kind of a local option. But definitely, we're telling people, single use, whatever you do, uh, provide the pencils and then throw them away or allow people to take them with them. Some towns are telling people, you know, bring your own. It can be any pen or pencil. Uh, Anything that's black uh, black or blue will work. So hopefully, we'll get the word out. That's our biggest challenge, frankly, is public education about all this. You know, people are not familiar with all this. So it's a real challenge for us. But that's the deal on... Uh, the, the writing implement.
1: What is the number one question you get about the general election? Uh,
2: will my vote count? Will my vote be received? Can I be sure that my vote will be uh, counted in the final count? And I, I know people are terribly nervous about this. Uh, we're all on edge for so many reasons. And so this is just a source of concern for people, particularly uh, seniors who maybe are, have not left their house in months. Uh, so all we can do is keep reassuring them that um, their vote will be counted if it's received in time. And so that's why we're emphasizing the ballot boxes. If you can get someone to deliver it for you, you can do that uh, if you give them permission and they sign for it and so forth. But that's, that's the biggest concern I hear uh, because they hear all these things on the Internet. There's a lot of disinformation out there. Uh, coming from Russia and China and many other places. And so I think people are just really, really uneasy about this election. With
1: that in mind, that the Trump administration recently announced that it plans to stop in-person briefings for members of Congress on election security. What are your thoughts on that?
2: I am extremely concerned about that, not just because of the lack of information that we're going to see, but also because we were reliant, we're reliant on the FBI, the DHS, and other federal agencies to give us the information we need at the state level to make sure that there are not attacks on our systems, that that there haven't been, like uh, many states have been uh, attacked through phishing emails and that sort of thing. We are getting that information now uh, regularly, a couple times a month, I go to a secure location, I have security clearance, and I am given information about what they're seeing nationally and in my state. And we helped set up this committee after 2016. I was part of the original committee. And I am terribly afraid that if that information is not transmitted to us, uh, there's no point in having it because we're the ones on the ground that will be able to stop whatever's going on, And be, uh, but we can't if we're not aware of it. So I think this is terribly concerning.
1: Have you seen a difference in the tactics used to influence the election this time around compared to 2016?
2: Yes, I am less worried about somebody attacking our voter registry or something like that, making changes, whatever, uh, than I am. The, the real, the disinformation campaign that is ramping up already uh, is absolutely stunning. And this is the information we get when we go to these secure briefings. And it's clear that there are literally hundreds of fake websites with bots that are spreading information that's incorrect. And they will be doing it. They're doing it more and more. I I think we've heard in the last couple of weeks that it's really ramping up in preparation for the election. And it's things like, you know, telling people false information about how absentee ballot works or false information about when the election is or where the election is. And so, uh, it's really difficult for us. We're trying to track some of these things uh, with the help of these law enforcement agencies, but it's going to be uh, quite something. So my, my advice to people is don't believe anything you read on the Internet. You just, you just can't take it, take it for granted, um, and it's not necessarily factual. So we'll do all we can to keep people apprised of these things, but it's going to be a big problem.
1: What would you say is the most authoritative source to get information, good information on the election?
2: Well, honestly, it's my office uh, for Connecticut. So like I say, if you go to myvote.ct.gov, you'll get the nuts and bolts. Now, obviously, we don't talk politics. We're a nonpartisan office. And so you're not going to get information about candidates and that sort of thing. For that, I always tell people your local news. Listen to all the time, that's probably a better source for information than it is some mysterious uh, information that crops up from an unknown site.
1: And briefly, with all the interest in the election, are you seeing any sort of surge in voter registration?
2: We are indeed, although I have to say the closures of the DMV probably will impact voter registration. But I, I think in a presidential race, usually voter registration is not an issue. People register, everyone wants to vote this year. Uh, with the DMV being closed, we were getting up to 70% of the voter registrations now come through the DMV offices, and they, uh, they ask people if they want to register, if you're already there registering your car or getting a license, and it goes in, into our system immediately and is transmitted to the local level. With those closed, I don't know. I think people are still using the online system, but we are definitely seeing a surge. I expect a bigger one in about a month you know, funny enough, people wait till the last minute, even for things like this. Even if they want to vote now, you know, they sort of don't get around till till about October.
1: She is Secretary of the State. Denise Merrill, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
2: Thank you, Aaron, very much.
1: Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend.
0: Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio.